Hi, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. I'm your host, the editor of Airline Weekly, Madhuni Christian. I'm joined again this week by my colleague, Ned Russell. We talk about the launch of Breves, David Nealman's new air- airline, which launches on uh, May 27th. We also talk about why Ryanair is really mad at Boeing and is trying to make fetch happen. And, um, and uh, what the TSA is saying to travelers before they they hit the airports this summer. Thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoy the episode. You can reach me at mu at skiff.com. You can reach Ned at er at skiff.com. Check us out at airlineweekly.com for information on subscribing. It's available on our site. We update the site throughout the week and a new issue of Airline Weekly drops every Monday. Thank you and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey there, Ned. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Madhu? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, so, so Ned, uh, let's talk about Breeze. You just spoke. You spoke to Breeze CEO our, and founder David Nealman recently. Um, what did he have to say? I'm, I'm particularly curious about this. This, uh, you know, he had said that Breeze, when it launched, the startup airline was going to be very tech forward. Is that true? Yes and no. So it, Nealman, when he when he was pitching the airline in, in the media several years ago, he's famous for saying that you know Breeze would be a technology company that just happens to fly airplanes. I've heard that well, here before. We, yes, where yes, have it's, we it's, heard that before? It's a famous line. I, I think <laughs> yeah. Bloomberg reported it first. But you know, now we're here. They are launching flights on May twenty seventh. Uh, Tampa, Charleston, and uh, and uh, Tampa, Charleston, and North. No. I forget their first destination. Anyway. Um, well, we know Tampa and Charleston. <laughs> yes. Yes. So they they are launching with an app that, according to Nealman, is going to have all the functionality that you would find in an, in an ordinary airline app today, which, according to him, is more than most startups will will offer you. Though at the same time, you have to say, for a company that means to be a, a technology company that flies planes, you would kind of expect more than that on day one. But right. he says that is coming. Okay, so did he give you any hints as to what that other thing is coming, like what that might be? Because yeah, let's, let's stop there for a second. I mean, an airline app, if you look, think of a, a good airline app, we don't need to cite examples, but th- they do a lot. There's a lot of technology that powers those apps. So what more could could be da- coming down the pike? Exactly. Well, so his idea is is the the Uber idea of something where you've got a trip, you're on a trip, and the, the app knows and it's going to pop up like, hey, you're in Tampa for three days. Would you like an Airbnb while you stay there? Would you like a car rental? Which aren't out-of-the-box ideas at all. A lot mm-hmm. of airlines have, have added those on, at least on their website booking processes. JetBlue launched the new site Paisley that does this a few, a few months ago. Uh, you know the idea. The hope is it, he envisions this more seamless uh, universe within the app that offers all of these add-ons, which I think, if done well, would be uh, a breakthrough for airlines. You know, I've used a lot of apps, and I don't think any airline app adds those extra pieces in very well. But we'll have to wait and see, see if that happens. You know, his example is uh, if, if we're serving a filet mignon sandwich on the plane, would you like it for nineteen dollars? So I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But it doesn't sound like it's quite as advanced as, as he made it out to be at least on day one. Ah, huh, interesting. Well, speaking of day one, when when does Breeze take to the air? May 27th. So in no time, really, just yeah. over a week. 
They'll be flying out of checks from Tampa, Charleston, and Hartford on day one. Those are their initial three cities. And then they'll expand to 16 destinations by the end of July. And they're not calling them bases, but their four main sort of uh, large cities, as they say, are Tampa, Charleston, New Orleans, and a surprising one, Norfolk, Virginia. Oh, that is that is interesting. And uh, <clears throat> did, did Neilman tell you anything about the flight attendant? Uh, debacle that seems in a in a very small way blew up a little bit a couple of weeks ago in the way that uh, Breeze was planning to hire flight attendants. Did he did he address that at all? He did not, though. Though he did mention the uh, the mask incident that that came up recently, and <laughs> apparently uh, the masks will be required on uh, on Breeze flights. They are required on all U.S. airline flights at least through September thirteenth. But that was uh, that's the only incident that he he brought up recently. Huh. What what was the incident? I forget. You know, I need to go back and, and dig into this. There were some comments he said that were picked up by some political bloggers. Oh, right. Right. Um, and they'll be launch- uh, Breeze will be launching with uh, E-175s. Is that right? E-190 and E-195s. E-190, excuse me. Okay, yes. right. And so the, their initial many, fleet... Yeah. Their initial sorry, fleet... <laughs> All right, we're talking over each other. Ned, how many how many how many E one nineties and ninety fives does does Breeze have in its fleet now? They have over twenty of each huh. of uh, the two well combined of, of the planes, and they're gonna be seating hundred and eight to hundred and eighteen passengers, I believe is the number. Yep, hundred and eight to hundred and eighteen. Single class, uh oh, I'm actually I'm sorry, it's thirteen E jets on start, okay. not twenty. Uh, though they have plans to expand that. And those are going to fly their initial routes, uh shorter flights, under two hours. You know, some of the some of the things that jump out at me is like Norfolk Pittsburgh. Uh, Tampa, Huntsville, you know, Neilman talks a big game about serving, flying these unserved markets. And, and I went through their, their initial 30 routes and only 10 of them have competition. So, oh, wow. yeah, so they are serving or their initial 40 routes, 10 of them competition. So it's, it's about a quarter they face, they, they, they will compete with other airlines. It's, it's interesting pitch. His, his statement as, as always is, you know, there's a niche for markets that current ultra low cost carriers don't serve and then the mainline regionals don't serve and that niche would be sort of that 100 to 130 seat uh demand market you know his his comment about the the spirits and the frontiers of the world is you know they've moved to the larger 320 neos 321 neos um and nothing wrong with that that model is very successful but it's a lot more seats than need to fly between huntsville and tampa on on a daily basis so Hmm. We shall see. You know, he, the E-Jets are not known for their low costs, but Breeze picked them up cheap during, yeah. because of COVID. So, you know, if anyone can do it, it's him. You know, he really touted the model that Azul has, has developed, which is trip costs. And Azul has opened up a lot of markets in Brazil that mm-hmm. were never served before. So they're, they're, he's trying to repeat that here in the U.S. is, is what his, his game is. It's not so much the Jet Blue as it is yeah, Azul. Right. Well... Never bet bet against Neilman. <laughs> I think that's, that's, that's for sure truism in the airline industry. Um, when do the A two twenty start arriving? He says the first one is due in October. Then uh, that should enter service before the end of the year, maybe early in the new year, depending on how how quickly they can get that on their operating certificate and cruise train. And the two twenties are going to fly longer routes. He said they're going to fly routes over uh, over two hours. Transcons are possible. They're talking to Airbus about a potential extra tank that could take oh. them to Hawaii. Wow. Um, so you know, but 
again, he wasn't willing to go into any details on exactly what those will be. Right. So I'm, I would guess look at transcontinental routes that don't have competition today would be would be my guess. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and when, and uh, did he give you a sense as to how big the fleet will be this time next year when they've you know after a year of operation? Mm, that is a good question. It wasn't specific on those things, though they have orders for 60 A220s. He, he denied the reports that they've ordered 20 more. And uh, then That's they are going to get over. He said it, it is, though. <laughs> what can we say? <laughs> um, but we did say he sees uh, the airline flying uh, you know, in the future. Now, this is not necessarily next year. You know, more than 100 planes. Um, connecting, uh, you know, these thin routes with A220s and E-Jets. So it's it's a question of, of how quickly that happens. Did you ask him, did you get a chance to ask him or talk to him about the other startup that just started last month, um, Avello or Velo or however you say it? I'm Andrew, Andrew Levy's uh, new startup, another seasoned airline executive I wouldn't bet against. Um, did Neilman have any thoughts on that? Yes. I mean, he didn't, he didn't comment specifically on Avilo. Though he did lump them in with other LCCs, he mentioned Avilo's Spirit Frontier, uh, and he said they're really following the model that's been proven. That is the the large narrow body seven thirty seven eight hundreds with I think over one hundred eighty seats, if I'm not correct, or one hundred seventy nine. Uh, but he he said you know they are going for their niche and and all he didn't comment on specifically, but you know that's just not the market that Breeze is looking to play in. So, so it's kind of. Is it fair to say it's like it's a regional but not a regional? <laughs> I mean, it's a regional airline that's not really. Are tied. we are we classifying a hundred seat jets now as a regional jet, uh, well, Madhu? That, know, that's I'm been a, that's been a great about, area. <laughs> I'm talking, yeah, exactly. I mean, but I'm talking about sort of the smaller, the the really small markets that traditionally a regional carrier would link for um, to a mainline carrier's hubs. You know, uh, the United Express or Delta Connection or what have you. So without being is is Breeze like a regional carrier without the main line? Uh, I guess you could make that comparison. I see them more as an Allegiant, which isn't surprising <laughs> considering the number of people they've taken from Allegiance management. Right. But I mean, opening a base at Tampa and flying to Huntsville and Pittsburgh and Charleston, Richmond and Norfolk is more I, it's more the Allegiant model than anyone else is, is the way I see it. Now, I don't have frequencies for these routes, so I don't know if they're going to be, you know, Allegiant does peak days and that's it. Yeah. I don't know if we're talking about daily or if we're talking about, you know, three days a week, but we, we, we will see as, as the schedules come out. Well, we'll find out very, very soon, actually. Yes. <laughs> so t- tickets are out for sale then? They are. They're out for sale now. So what you know? There, there. I did have a question though about uh, about sort of marketing. I mean, how is Breeze getting itself out there? Or how's the word getting out? Do do you did you get any sense from that? Either from Neilman or from you know you've reported on them for a while. I mean, first of all, there's there's no better marketing than free marketing, which is press. And yes. <laughs> considering it's David Neilman, he has lots of press just because of his name. You know, they they didn't talk so much about what their their marketing plans are, though. They're they're trying to do so that new agey. I don't know if new age is the right word, but uh, fashionable, like classes, their seats are, are nice, nicer, nicest, you know, huh, try to get in that kind of hip market. So, right. you know, I see them, you know, I know Moxie was their working name, but Moxie, which elicits images of sort of a urban hipster kind of gives me, that's the feeling I get from, from Breeze and its first days. 
you know, I, I imagine they're going to have a full on ads and in the markets they're serving. I, it would be crazy if they didn't, but they're certainly going to get lots of press just because it's Nealman behind it. Yeah. And he's doing quite a, he's, he's, he's getting his name out there. He's definitely, um, he's definitely capitalizing on, on the Nealman name. Um, no, no raccoon spokes critter. <laughs> no raccoon spokes spritter. No, there's no animals on the plains that I've seen. <laughs> and that's a shame. And we're back. Hey, Madhu. Hey, Ned. So um, the other uh, thing we've been covering is uh, Ryanair's earnings. Or if they do their, you know, the fiscal year, like a lot of European carriers, they do a fiscal year that ended March 31st. So the fiscal 2021 year just closed. So um, how much did they lose, Madhu? 815 million euros, which is close to a billion dollars. And uh, they're, you know, Ryanair's very outspoken CEO, Michael O'Leary, called it traumatic. Um and it was, you is, know, the last fiscal year they had a billion euro profit. So it's quite a large swing to go from a billion euro profit to a 815 million euro loss in a year. When was the last time they lost money, Madhu? Yeah, I think of Ryanair as a southwestern Europe. So. <laughs> no, I don't have that at my fingertips. I, I don't know when they last lost money, but uh, it's been a while. They've been a tremendously profitable airline and a tremendously quick growing airline. So, you know, their their traffic was down or the revenue was down 81%. Their traffic all but collapsed. Um, and that's, you know, Europe has had, as we know, I mean, it, it's had successive waves of... of um, of the, of COVID nineteen, the optimism of last summer quickly collapsed in the face of a new outbreak, and uh, the vaccination program in Europe has been slower than it has been here in the U.S., except for the U.K., which I guess is no longer Europe, but uh, where Ryanair is a significant amount of its operation. Well, you'd have to debate on on the U.K. I mean, geographically, it's part of Europe. Politically, it's not. So. <laughs> Yeah, but you know the UK has been ahead of almost anywhere else in the world. I mean, there are very few countries that have vaccinated as many as as large population percentage of their population as as the UK has. So he took uh, you know Ryanair management took some degree of hope from that, and hope that the rest of Europe will start to lift travel restrictions and things will get back to normal. I've heard a lot about Europe uh, reopening sort of later in the summer. Uh, you know, IAG said before they expect sort of from July, where you know the U.S. carriers are gearing up for Memorial Day in, in little over a week's time. Did Ryanair say the same that they're thinking late summer for recovery, or what? What is he? What is he expecting? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, Michael O'Leary um, thinks demand will start to pick up in July, and really, you know, sort of snowball and start to take um, take effect or go back to some semblance of normal by September. So it might not, it might be a second lost summer for European carriers. I mean, there's a, um, it, I think the, uh, just listening to Ryanair manager talk, like May and June is pretty much gone. July, they sort of see it coming back a little bit. August, when a lot of Europeans take vacation, could be stronger, and September will be stronger even than that. Hey, you remind me there that, you know, August is the traditional month of, of holidays in Europe. So, if they get that, that's got to be good for them, though. It's still uh, the whole period is lost. You know, if you, you're not going to make a period's worth of revenue in one month. But yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Reiner didn't actually meant, um, say this, but Air France did. And I know um, Wiz has said similar that uh, that they're, they're seeing more uh, Europeans consider taking holidays by train or by surface transport. Mm. 
because the the restrictions are fewer. I mean, if you're traveling within the country, you don't if you you don't necessarily need a COVID test to board flight as or to board a train as you do a flight. So um, there could be leakage even in August in the peak European holiday season by people taking surface transport to to go to their vacations. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. No one's very optimistic. Ryanair thinks that 2022 is when the um when the recovery will really start to pick up and gain force, but uh they don't uh they think next summer will be the the summer when demand comes back. Mm. That sounds similar to uh to what the what I'm hearing about the transatlantic as well to you right. know between the US and Europe. Next summer is really going to be the summer things come back, not, not this summer so much. Right. Absolutely. I mean, so, um, it's, it's, you know, this has gone on longer than anyone expected. Um, well, I'd, I'd argue with you there. You know, I was talking to, uh, talking to Baltimore airport recently, and they were saying they didn't expect things to recover until 23, 24. But now with the way things are going in the U S they're thinking 2022. So, I think it's really geographic. The U.S. and China might get back sooner, uh, Europe uh, and elsewhere later. It's it's going to be an uneven recovery. Now, one thing about Ryanair that that always you know, comes to mind is is they got that massive Max order book. Weren't they supposed to get their first plane in April? Is that has it arrived? Are they flying? Oh it yet? no, it has not arrived. <laughs> and and O'Leary had some choice words for Boeing, saying he was upset. Uh, <laughs> That's a direct quote saying he was upset. He called, said, "Was that the only word he used?" <laughs> um, no, well, you know, all of the words he used were printable, which is good. But uh, uh, he said he was upset. He said management in Seattle has mismanaged the process. Uh, they were expected, you know, EASA, the European European Union Aviation Safety Agency, and the FAA signed off on Ryanair's larger Max, the Dash Eight Two Hundred. I guess that's how you'd say it. Um, in early April, and Ryanair expected to start taking the first of those aircraft, you know, April. But as O'Leary said, you know, eight weeks later, they still haven't seen an aircraft and they have no idea when they're coming. Boeing says they'll get start delivering them by the end of May. And O'Leary said they had no confidence that that would actually happen, which, you know, is a problem. I mean, Ryanair, even though demand is, is will be small, um, less than expected this summer, they still expected to have some of those aircraft in place in their fleet to, to start to serve the uptick. Um, right. And now they won't. And yeah. he doesn't think that they will even have uh, the aircraft for this summer. So, Does he think that they're going to bleed revenue then without those planes this summer as a result? No, or bleed no. some traffic? No. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, I, I don't think the expectation is, you know, so this is a much larger, it's the high-density max. Um, they're not, uh, they haven't downsized their fleet. So, you know, they're not, they're not in a hole, but they also don't expect demand to come roaring back either. So they're not left high and dry, but they just had hoped to start, you know, the, the, these aircraft are carry 4% more passengers than, than, uh, normal maxes and 16% better fuel burn than the 800s that they've got. So they, you know, there, there's definitely a cost disadvantage by not having these aircraft. All right, so everybody... Sorry, I want to go on a little tangent here, a little personal tangent about uh, about Ryanair and the Max. Uh, Ryanair is single-handedly trying to rebrand the Max as the game-changer aircraft. I don't know if you've heard this, Ned. 
I have. It's it's fascinating. It reminds me of uh, of the Super 80 at American, though. I know that was <laughs> McDonnell Douglas's original branding for the plane. What what is behind the game changer? Why why is Ryanair trying to do this? I guess maybe because of the negative connotations of the Max from its two year grounding, maybe to instill customer confidence in the aircraft. Although I personally think no one really cares anymore. You know, people forget the aircraft. We all flew DC tens, but um. Uh, maybe you didn't. Maybe you're too young uh, to have done no, something. No, I've flown. I've flown plenty of DC tens. Thank you very much. Mario. But yeah, so consistently through the earnings call, and this earnings call and the last one I listened to, they referred to as the Boeing seven three seven game changer aircraft. Occasionally, um, uh, O'Leary would slip and call it the Max, and then quickly correct himself, say the the Max game changer aircraft. It's like, you know, it reminds me of that line from from Mean Girls, right? I wanted to to like dial into the call and be like. Michael, listen, quit trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. It's not the game changer. It's the max. So, but on for, I, I thought, you know what? I'm going to just, I'm, I'll, I'll keep my thoughts to myself. So off, off that tangent. Ryanair you know, has, I appreciate a, a, a mean girls comment, Madhu, any day. Mean girls, any day. So Reiner has 210 of these things on order and um, will ha- will grow its fleet size to about 600 aircraft by t- fiscal 2026, so in about four years. Um, it, uh, w- when asked about the Dash 10, uh, O'Leary and management were were kind of lukewarm. They, they were really, they reiterated that they were upset with Boeing still and were not willing to entertain any further negotiations with Boeing until this current problem is resolved. And then they might consider talks about the Dash 10, only if the pricing is right, and if they can be assured of a delivery schedule. So I think, you know, this is really, I know it's a huge customer for Boeing, but uh, they've, it sounds like at least temporarily, relations with Seattle are not very good. Oh, it's, it's icy between uh, between Dublin and Seattle right now. I would say it's fiery, actually. Oh, there was, yeah, fiery. It was pretty fiery. I, I, it's rare that you hear uh, the CEO of an airline criticize an airframer like that. Well, is it really rare for Michael O'Leary to speak his mind? Uh, no, no. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the, he's not buying uh, eight, A320s, so he, no, no. keep things sweet. The, the A320s, though, just another little tangent, those will leave those operated by Lauda Air will be leaving the fleet soon, although they didn't really give much of a timeline, but they will re- be replaced by game changers. <laughs> so I'm going to try <laughs> making fetch happen. But let's, 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 you know, in the, in the minutes we have left, um, you went on a little field trip again today to Baltimore Washington International Airport, BWI, and talked to some folks about the TSA staffing there. What'd you hear? I mean, what are, yeah. what are they thinking with traffic? Yeah, so I, I got to, you know, the TSA and the Baltimore-Washington Airport held a little little sort of demo today for media, uh, today being Tuesday, just you know, on their preparation for the summer. You know, a lot of emphasis was on be ready for weights, be ready for crowds. You know, the you, I asked the TSA about staffing for the summer, and they said they are staffed for their expectations of what travel numbers will be. Uh, however... They are they are only halfway to a goal of hiring six thousand new officers to meet return to twenty nineteen sort of traffic levels. So they are less staffed. They they say they are ready for the summer, um, but still they're warning travelers of waits, uh, crowds. It's it sounds like you know the TSA process is just going to get a little bit more uh, onerous. Mm-hmm. You have to 
pull your mask down when you show your ID and all the bins are going to be wiped down regularly and all these things that, you know, I can only imagine that a, a busy TSA checkpoint is going to take time and slow the process down. Wow. So they are warning. They're warning uh, out front about, about that, which is good because a lot of people in the industry uh, think that there's going to be some, some bumps in the travel process this summer, even as airlines are back. Did you get a chance to talk to them a little bit? I mean, I know there were there was some talk earlier in the pandemic about uh, possibly scheduling a TSA security checkpoint. So yeah, so that is a Seattle Tacoma Airport uh, um, pilot right now. Okay. That is being handled by the airport with Alaska and Delta partnering, and that is not a TSA led program. So, so okay. they didn't really they had no you know particular comments on that. Um, and I'm curious to see how that goes. You know, I'm, I'm flying through Seattle this summer. Alas, not on one of the participating airlines, so I'm not going to be able to participate. So I will take my chances with the queues. That, you know, but it's an interesting story. I, I, I pushed the BWI's airport director, Ricky Smith, to, you know, what, what is his concern for the summer? You know, he said concessions are going to be reopening. They're ready. And then I'm like, but what, what, what keeps you up at night? What, what, bother, what are you concerned about? And he really... He finally said, you know, it's it's all of the leisure travelers that are that are flying and, you know, they don't know the processes or maybe they've forgotten because they haven't flown in a few years. And he's, he's worried that even if they have the staffing, people are going to be moving slower through the airport and that's going to slow things down. People are going to be confused. And I mean, these it's it's actually kind of nice to hear this because these are the concerns we have every summer. Yeah. You know, Um it's a bit more prominent right now because there are a few business travelers flying and it's almost all leisure, but you know, these, I think, yeah, just be ready. You know, the flights might be there, but the airports are going to be a bit more, uh, you know, onerous. <laughs> wow. wow. Well, that, that's, uh, that's news you can use. Uh, it really is like if you're planning to travel this summer in the U S build in extra time, don't race, don't try, don't get to the airport right before your flight. <laughs> That was actually the TSA's main comment was, for those of you who arrived just before your plane, don't do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's that's news you can use, as I said. Well, Ned, thanks again for joining us. I know it's your job, so you have to join us. But thank you for, for joining us and reporting back from BWI. To all our listeners out there, you we, we always love hearing from you. You can reach me at mu at skiff.com. You can reach Ned at er, that's er for Edward Russell at skiff.com. Check us out on airlineweekly.com and you issue drops Every Monday, you can find out how to subscribe on our site, and uh, we update the site throughout the week with news. Thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you again next week. Have a good one, Madhu. Bye, Ned. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Should you have comments or questions, drop editor Madhu Unikrishnan a note at mu at skiff.com. Of course, Check out AirlineWeekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.